Today on the Courier Daily, we're in Paris. In times of crisis, you can see how the behaviors are kind of exacerbated. I mean, if you used to be greedy, you are even more greedy. If you used to be a risk taker, you are even more a risk taker, okay? So everything is exaggerated right now. And, and for us, this moment is uh, really a, a moment where we want to even more stand for our values. And a bit later on, we head to Atlanta. We're going to take this time to slow down, to think about what we're going to be when this thing is all over, when the dust settles. And that's tough because we have to withstand the financial burden of that. But we decided that we're, we're not going to pivot. We're not going to become an online, you know, gathering place. We're actually focused on the long game. You know that quote, like, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's like an ultra marathon. I'm Daniel Giacopelli. It's the 9th of April, and this is the new podcast from Courier. We're checking in with business owners and experts all over the world to learn how to adapt, pivot, and grow in the crisis. First up today, we're in Paris with Alice Zagary. She's the CEO of The Family, a pretty fantastic community and incubator for startups there and in Europe. And um, Alice, what I found most interesting about you guys is that you totally transformed your entire website to be geared to all of the challenges that entrepreneurs in your community are facing right now. You've launched a daily radio show, interactive online events, a tip hotline, and a lot more, right? So basically, the exact same week when uh, Macron started to say that we had to be confined to home, we moved with my uh, co-founders to the south of France in, uh, in the countryside. And we made a lot of big decisions. Like, here is the way we're going to, one, uh, focus on our startups because the core value of the family is to take care of the entrepreneurs. So uh, we had to really cut everything else and do only that. And we just organized ourselves and how we will switch all of our content and offline events into online events. And we came back on Monday it, when everybody was confined to home and it was clear for us that we had to adapt instantly. So we gathered with the team on Zoom. Everybody had a new role and everybody had a new mission. Either you take care of the startup, either you take care of the community at large by creating a content that people need. And I redesigned the website uh, in a night, just in a night, we're giving only content people would love. You've launched these two interactive events. One is tomorrow night on fundraising and challenging times. And another one is on Saturday morning, tomorrow morning, about how to meet a potential co-founder, right? Exactly. And this one is, is, is about finding a co-founder. It's really cool because actually people are using this period of time to create and I find it super interesting how entrepreneurs react because you see how even in the storms, even in the middle of, you know, the worst moment ever, they will still find an opportunity or just, a, you know, an option. They will, they will still find and grab the light and, and turn it into something, something like creating a new project, adding value. And I feel really lucky because I'm surrounded by people who are not that anxious. It doesn't mean that they, are, they all have reason to, to be anxious. They all have reason to be afraid. But first, they know that we are all in good shape and uh, the hard time is for the people, the caregivers in the hospitals. 
and for the people who are suffering, but not for the rest. I mean, if you are in good shape, it's okay. And so they are able to take one step back to realize that and to grab the opportunity and to transform this moment as a, a period to rise, to transform, to create. Yeah, and you guys have written this really kind of lovely manifesto essentially on your website about the family. And you say, you know, while creating is and, you know, launching a company is is the goal, obviously you guys are all about startups. You say being alive is more important than making any business succeed. You know, you're having some perspective, obviously. Yes. And for us, it's super important right now to stay true to our values. Okay. So diversity caring for each other and ambition, basically. These are our, our three main values. And I feel like it's, it's really, in times of crisis, you can see how the behaviors are kind of exacerbated. I mean, if you used to be greedy, you are even more greedy. If you used to be a risk taker, you are even more a risk taker, okay? So everything is exaggerated right now. And, and for us, this moment is uh, really a, a moment where we want to even more stand for our values. I'm wondering, you know, for a couple of years, maybe for the last one, two, three years, it seemed that France was really benefiting from Brexit, essentially. A lot of startups were looking in the UK, looking outside of the UK. And it just seemed Paris was becoming much more of like a go-to place for startups. Do you think that will slow that transition at all? No, I don't think so. I think France, we did what we had to do. We took it seriously versus what is happening in the US and versus what has happened at the beginning in the UK. I'm not saying that uh, we are the best uh, against the US and, and, and the UK. It's not what I mean. But I mean it conveys trust. It conveys a kind of stability. Now you understand what it means to have someone governing a country that is a bit of a burn head, what it means in times of crisis, you know. And we can see that it matters to have someone who is at least stable. <laughs> Well, we turn now to Michael Tavani, the founder and CEO of Switchyards, an extremely cool company in Atlanta. You guys call yourself the best of coffee shops, co-working, and hotel lobbies, all pulled together into one space. Neither of those things seem to be a, a necessarily booming space in the last couple of weeks, given the situation. Yeah, I mean, we're the epitome of a business that's been impacted by people staying at home in the in the sense that we're in the physical space business. And and our whole thesis is, was built on people gathering in person, a little bit of a, of a kind of an analog to where things have been going. But obviously, that's impacted, you know, a lot now. And so all we have three locations in Atlanta, and all three of them are, are closed for, for the time being. So, so we can't gather in person like, you know, like we like to. So what's the status of the company then? Is everybody, all of your staff at home, are they furloughed like a lot of people? What, what have you done? Obviously, we have a, a lot of baristas. I mean, we kind of think of ourselves in the, in the hospitality business. So we have a lot of baristas that are you know, serving coffee and in-person kind of greeting members and community guides and managers and all that. So we have obviously the whole team uh, working from home. And frankly, we, we don't have, you know, obviously a few of the senior team has a bunch of stuff to do kind of navigating the, the financial side of the business. And that's what we're mostly focused on. We've gotten as lean as we could possibly get. You know, I think we all think that Switchyards is going to be in a really interesting, positive and healthy position when the dust settles. As no one does, we don't know when that dust is going to settle. And so we're trying to 
preserve as much cash as we can to kind of hang around for 12, 18, 24 months, because I think ultimately it might take that long for us to get back to where we were. We launched our recent product, Switchyard's All City Club, about six months ago, even though we've been around for about four years on kind of a different version of the product. We were on a really good clip. We had you know, a lot of new members joining every single day right before this all uh, went down. And so we're trying to hang on that that's going to come back. We all are realistic, and we think it's going to take like 12 months for that to come back. So you have enough money in the bank saved to last for 12 months? We had enough money in the bank for probably six or eight months before this happening, just, just by nature of we had, we had raised a small seed round from some friends around town, and we were on a, a pretty good path coming up, and we kept it pretty lean to start with. We've now had to go even leaner. What does that mean when you say you have to go leaner? So, so we, we furloughed a lot of our baristas, which, which are obviously people that can't effectively do anything right now. What actually worked out well for them is that they're actually making about the same amount of money, if not more, some of them based on unemployment in the United States right now in kind of some of the package that they got. We paid them for the first two weeks that we were closed fully, and then we decided that it'd be better for the government to be paying them during this period of time than for small little switchyards to be doing that. And so that worked out better for them and us. You know, we've gotten our team to as small as we could possibly get to continue going, Um, You know, we actually right now, right after this call, I will be going down the path of filing for some of the stuff that small businesses can get in the United States just to get as liquid as we can. So we feel pretty good that we'll be in a spot where we'll have about 18 months of cash after this. And and I think we're going to need every month of that. That's a lot more than a lot of people in your position can say they have. Yeah, it is. And I think the timing, you know, I've seen businesses where maybe they overexpanded right before this. You know, depending upon when this hit in your life cycle, I think it hit us. I'm not saying it's the perfect time for it to hit. It's never a good time, but I think it hit us in the point in time where we had just raised, you know, 6, 7, 800,000 dollars and we had spent maybe half of that over the past few months. So we had about half of that just in cash in the bank. You know, frankly, we were going to launch new locations with and continue to expand the brand. And now, obviously, that money is going to go to just to the burn of the company because effectively our our revenue has gone down to almost zero right now. And we have monthly memberships. You know, but you've you, frozen those, right? You've, you've allowed people to kind of freeze them. Yeah, we decided from day one, right from the very beginning, we sent out an email. When we decided we weren't going to be open, we told our members, hey, listen, it's not the right thing to do to continue to charge you. And so we're not going to charge you. Now, all of our revenue comes from you, the members. And we, we did kind of a campaign, we called it Defend the Club, where we had some members, if they were in the position to do it, uh, you know, pay for like a year of membership up front. And some did that, and we're grateful for them, and we're doing a whole campaign around that. But, but ultimately, our revenue went down almost to zero. Do you guys have large, really high leases? I mean, do you own your properties, or do you rent them? The original Switchyards is in an old building in downtown Atlanta that we bought uh, about four years ago on a, kind of a different thinking of where we were going with the business. The, the two most recent ones and really the future of the business are us leasing spaces. And so, you know, we've had to work with, in fact, we just signed a lease right before this COVID. So we're about to take over a lease that we can't even move into right now. You know, we were supposed to open on Monday our latest, you know, greatest uh, Switchyards location uh, in a neighborhood in Atlanta called Cabbage Town. And, and obviously, you know, they're going to mail us the keys and it's going to sit empty until we can get in there. Has the landlord been, you know, friendly with you and understanding? 
It's interesting. This is the epitome of, I think, the, the landlord-tenant situation across the world, I think, is the epitome of a situation of, are we all going to share this burden here? Because it'd be easy for us to say, we made no money and we're not paying. And it'd be easy for them to say, hey, I don't care that your business didn't make any money. It, that, that doesn't impact us. We signed a lease. Look at the paper here. And we have bills to pay too. We have to pay the bank, right? So everyone has to pay someone else. And I think where we're getting is a, a pretty healthy situation with both of our two leases around kind of sharing this burden. And, you know, obviously cash flow is important for a lot of businesses right now. So we're thinking about, you know, can we preserve cash flow? Can we no one's going to be making money during this period of time, right? And so what are your, as the landlord, what are your actual costs on our space? So that's what we're trying to get to, that number, not the number where they can all make a profit because we're not making a profit, they're not going to be making a profit. And so I think we're getting to a pretty healthy point. This is at least switch yards with our two relationships with pretty respectable landlords in Atlanta. Maybe just because people are nicer in Atlanta. I don't know if that's the case. I mean, you know, I think I saw a big restaurant chain in, in America, you know, saying, hey, we're just flat out not going to pay. And then, you know, immediately the landlord snaps back. Yeah, you are. You're paying. And so, you know, these aren't small landlords. They're, they kind of have many places. Now, now they both are heavily into retail and, and restaurants and all that. So I imagine they're looking across their portfolio and they're saying, hey, you know, we're, we're going to be losing a lot of revenue no matter what way you slice it. Are you worried that we'll never work the same way again? We'll never come together, sit next to someone six inches away from someone else and on a laptop in a co-working space and that, you know, this remote work thing is semi-permanent, leaving your company kind of in a difficult spot, I imagine? Not worried at all. Um, I'm worried about what you just said over the next, call it six to 12 months but I'm not worried long-term. I think that for the, the entirety of the human race, I think we are social beings. And this isn't the first pandemic where it's changed you know, things for a period of time. And I think this will forever change uh, the way we live in certain ways. But I don't think it's gonna change people's desire to wanna live in cities, people's desire to wanna be around each other, to gather, to go to events. Again, I think it's gonna have a short-term impact. And if I didn't feel this way, I shouldn't be running Switchyards. I'm actually very bullish on the future of Switchyards and lots of businesses that base their model on kind of people gathering. I think this will change parts of work. Again, I don't think work's necessarily a place you need to go anymore. So I think it's going to change it in a lot of different ways. I mean, he here's one way, right? So if I had two hours of invoicing this morning or if I had two hours of, of email work, do I need to go to a physical building that has expensive real estate costs that that might, you know, my commute to that building might be 30 minutes? No, I don't need to go there. So so maybe home or remote work is fantastic for something like knowledge work that I can do just on my laptop. In the interim, before you guys open up again, you've, I suppose, to keep your members entertained and kind of inspired, you've launched this thing called Three Things Every Morning, right? Is that straight from your mind, your mood board? It's kind of like reads, musings, links that you love, right? So what's interesting is, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen it, but there's so much noise right now. And I think everyone had the original urge to probably pivot their business. What can we do right now? You know, How can we keep our business afloat? Switchyards actually decided that this, this was a pretty bold move, I think, by us, but we decided... We're going to take this time to slow down to think about what we're going to be when this thing is all over, when the dust settles. 
And that's tough because we have to withstand the financial burden of that. But we decided that we're, we're not going to pivot. We're not going to become an online, you know, gathering place. We're actually focused on the long game. You know that quote, like, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's like an ultra marathon, not a sprint. And we're focused on that, that end game. And so three things every morning was us saying, hey, we're not trying to replace our business. We're just trying to provide a little bit of levity. Uh, we think a lot about this notion of work and leisure. And I think that's one of the things that remote work is going to bring us is I think we're going to have less of a divide between kind of work and home, work and life, you know, that kind of work-life balance. And I think work and leisure will be more integrated in this, in this new reality that we live in. And so we, we wanted to provide a little bit of levity and some interesting things that we've been thinking about around work and leisure. And, and that's why we decided to do it. And again, it's been you know, you would barely know that Switchyards is sending that out, and we, we did that very intentionally. We've stopped promoting. You, you won't see any images of us selling memberships. We've decided to go in the opposite direction and provide people a little bit of sanity in, in these times. My special thanks to Alice Zagary and Michael Tavani for today's show. If you've got any questions you want answered, from legal to branding to finance, just shoot me an email. We'll try and answer a few of them on the show once a week. I'm at daniel at couriermedia.co. Make sure to also sign up to our email newsletter, Courier Weekly, for more stories of pivoting, adapting, surviving, and growing. Head to couriermedia.co slash sign up. I'm Daniel Giacopelli. The Courier Daily is back again tomorrow.